you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys were coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with boys, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. What's going on? Well, I'm just going to let the listeners know, Shane, it took me about three tries to get that intro down. I'm uh, running on five hours of sleep. Uh, I got about... I'm on my sixth cup of coffee, and uh, I'm ready for SEC Media Days Day 2. How about you, buddy? Oh, me. I'm all day, uh, cat napping in between when Paul starts talking, and then uh, I'm ready, brother. I got my coffee. I'm ready to roll. All right, Chad. Well, let's do it. Uh, we got Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Georgia, and Tennessee. Uh, let's start off with the Rebels. Let's, let's go around the league here. Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. We we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys. So, and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over and you know like every other or every third song it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice so you just uh, you get used to it it's a catchy tune right okay. this game's gonna be a street fight this game's gonna be a street fight i mean some of you guys don't know who kimbo slice is hopefully you do um, and you go back to it man this isn't a sanctioned fight this is a street fight i mean this is the sec so I man it's time it's time to put on the hard hat lunch bail let's get to work All right, Shane, I thought, uh, you know, we'll start with the Rebels. I thought uh, Matt Luke, he had some pretty interesting things to say, and uh, I really tried to hammer home this point with all the Rebels because uh, I know you're high on Ole Miss, I'm down on them, but uh, just because I'm down on them doesn't mean that's the way it's going to play out. Uh, That's part of what makes college football so awesome. You just don't know how it's going to go, and I think the Rebels, they have a ton of I don't want to say momentum, but they have a lot in their favor. And one thing that I was really hammering home with the team was the fact that uh, obviously this is the first season in a couple of years that they're going to be even eligible to go to a bowl game. Do you think maybe we're clearly I am, but maybe not you, just maybe the entire SEC discounting the Rebel Shane based on what, what we saw last year and what they've lost during the offseason, a lot of guys to the NFL, I guess – Basically, what I'm asking you, Shane, is just kind of a, give a recap of 
why you think Ole Miss will kind of come out and uh, prove some doubters like me wrong? Well, for starters, I think it's all about this Memphis game. You know, you listen to everybody they brought down there was talking about this Memphis game. And the fact that they're underdogs is a huge slap to their in their face, you know. And I think that's the chip that they got on their shoulder all offseason here. I don't, you know, I don't think it has really much to do with the bowl game. I mean, hell, they wouldn't have made one last year. So I don't know if that's the driving force. But what I think it is, is just the fact that they're going against a, a, a weaker opponent, in my opinion, and, you know, everybody's projecting them to uh, to get beat. So Coach Luke, he knows they're all against him. I think this team knows everybody's against them, and I think that's the kind of kind of that Kentucky attitude that we saw last year. Well, let's start right there then, Shane, with that Memphis game, because I asked two of the Rebel players that were down there. Uh, well, actually, I asked all three, but only two gave me solid quotes here but let's go with a uh, linebacker momo sanangu and offensive lineman alex gibbons i asked each of them about the memphis game and being underdogs to uh, an aac team you know that should literally never be the case with an sec program and uh, i think their comments have got to have ripple fans excited going into the season opener i don't know if you've seen this or if you care memphis is a favorite to beat ole miss does that provide any extra motivation for you and your teammates to open the season and just prove your doubters wrong? It does. You know, Coach coaches actually put up an article talking about that, talking about how they're favored. And, you know, Memphis is favored to have an undefeated season this year. And we're, we're looking to go in that talk in the first game of the season. Uh, Memphis is a great team, you know. number I, I believe they were number five scoring offense last year. Great scoring offense. They know how to put up points, and that's a good first test for our defense, going and stopping that and giving our offense the opportunity to go win us the game. You know, put the ball in Matt's hands. I know Matt will take care of it. So um, it, it's just a, a great opportunity to start the season that way uh, with, a, with, a, with a way to answer some of those questions uh, right off the bat that we're coming to play. I thought Sanagu's comments, you know, they were some of the most heated of the day here, basically saying – you know, we, we plan to end this Memphis run before they even get a chance to get it going. Yeah, and the, and the audio doesn't do it justice. You could just see it on his face. This one right here, I don't know, kind of set the tone for me, just what they got going on down there in Ole Miss. I just – I really do think that these guys are tired of being at the bottom. And, and they're going to have an uphill battle. They're not going to have it easy this year, but I do think – they're going to surprise a few people. This is one of those teams I just I feel like you can't really sleep on. Well, I guess one of the big reasons I'm down on Ole Miss, Shane, is because I do anticipate them losing to this Memphis team. And that may say more about Memphis than it does Ole Miss because, because Memphis under Mike Norvell has been very, very solid. And then week two, they host Arkansas, who everybody thinks is the worst team in the SEC. And if you drop those two, Shane – then I just don't understand how I don't I don't think it's possible to recover. Now on the flip side, you, we could use this you know this Memphis game as motivation. Ole Miss comes out and pulls off a upset on the road, turns around and they they get uh, the team that was the worst in the SEC last season, which you'd think they would be a, you know that's a, basically a, a coin flip game. If they win that, they're two and zero. Uh, they're on their well on their way to getting back to the postseason, and uh, I asked Mac Luke about that and just uh, the possibility of returning to a bowl game. And you know, he added a nugget that I had not considered, Shane. This is uh, 
interesting in two different ways. But, uh, you know, he mentioned that the seniors that, uh, you know, trying to get them to their first bowl game in several years and the fact that he played for an Ole Miss team that uh, he helped get to a postseason for the first time after being on probation and he saw it as a player what that meant for those seniors. He wants to do the same for the seniors that he's now coaching. Coach, so this is the first season in a few that Ole Miss can actually go to the postseason. And I know you, get, you guys have said the right things in the, in the past, but can you sense that your players realize that everything's in front of them for the first time for a couple seasons? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there, there's a different energy in the building. Um, I think it's, uh, it's very refreshing to come in here and to talk about, you know, being able to try to go back to the postseason. I think that's a, I think that's a huge deal. I think our, our players are excited. I think our fans are excited. And uh, just, just really looking forward to that opportunity. I, I, was, I was fortunate enough to be on a, uh, on a team as a player uh, in 1997 to come off probation and send that senior class to a bowl game. I think uh, just, just seeing the looks on their faces, and, and I, I'm just excited about that challenge and looking forward to it. All right, Shane, I thought uh, Matt Luke spoke from the heart here, and I just, I just really liked what he had to say here. Yeah, no, I do too. He's saying all the right things, Mike. I just – man, they just, they just got so many people against them right now, it just feels like. And, I mean, everybody you talk to, they, they don't even want to talk to Ole Miss. I mean, when Coach Luke was up there, he mm-hmm. was the only head coach that they ran out of questions before they said last question. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> the media didn't even want to talk to him. Usually, usually the coaches are going through a, a, a round of, of questioning and then somebody will eventually pop up and say, okay, last question. Well, I felt so bad because he was just, he was dying for somebody to pop up in that audience and ask him a question. So that's just where this program's at right now. And, well, just and I'm, just like wait said, till, uh, wait for Derek Mason, Shane. That'll come back around. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's not alone. He's not alone. I, you know, I think, but just everybody's counting them out and I'm not ready to do that just yet. And, uh, I'll tell you what, I, I feel like he's a player's coach. And one thing that I did take from him is dude, he's got a serious mad man crush on coach Rod. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he knows every stat this man has ever done. So I wish I was that pumped up about my coordinator. Well, that's what they're going to need, Shane. They're obviously going to need these coordinators to come through. And, uh, hell, these coordinators have better coaching resumes than Matt Luke. That doesn't mean that, uh, you know, they won't get it done or anything. I think you could kind of say the same thing maybe with Dabo Sweeney and maybe even Ed Orgeron, some of his coordinators. And, obviously, those coaches are getting it done. So uh, maybe Matt Luke's the next next interim guy that just uh, – Proves a lot of people like me wrong. All right, Shane, let's jump to Texas A&M. Gigamaggies. They were at SEC Media Days on Tuesday as well. And, you know, obviously a big topic there with Jimbo Fisher was year two and everything he's, you know, how his team can improve from the first year in College Station there. And I thought one of the best things he had to say was just kind of on the grit of his team and how, and how they kind of push through and, and never being satisfied. That's how he's trying to establish that culture. And he really said that uh, towards the tail end of the season, when the Aggies got hot, he thinks something clicked with his team, Shane. And I think if that if that bleeds over to the offseason, uh, the Aggies could have a really big year. So let's, let's jump to what Fisher had to say here. Jimbo, how have you seen the comfortability with your players and your system grow over this past year and plus? And, and can you ever get where you want to get? When being you're never where you want to be. <laughs> if good enough's ever good enough, you're in trouble. But I, I, I do think from the questions they asked, 
the thing that excited me most about the off-season program, spring practice, and then, and then going in was how they approached it. I think the first year, which was ex- understandable, they didn't know they didn't know what, how we wanted things done. Whether that's the best in the world, I don't know, but that's how we wanted things done. And I think from that, they really embraced at the success they had at the end of the year going into the offseason, understanding why we have the offseason, why we practice like we practice, why we are so situational and in, 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 in practice, and understanding the mental game not along with, you know, guys want to grind physically, but do they grind mentally? See, I, and I think understanding how to win because, listen, I don't care how good of players you get in this league, everybody's got good players. It's going to come down three, four, five plays in the game that you have to be able to make and expect to make. And I think they're learning to practice that way, expect that way, but then have the expectations of winning, not hoping to win, expecting to win. You know, I I think, first of all, embracing the grind. I think they understand after the success we had at the end of the year, the little run we had of why we do the things we do and that, you know, I'm not just going out there to put work in. I mean, because some guys, you can go out there and run and sweat and you get your work in, but am I putting myself in that situation uh, pretending like it's the end of the game and how I practice and how I play for a championship. I always said this is the greatest quote I've ever heard in my life. People asked Michael Jordan one time, why are you so, what do you do different at the end of the game? His answer was, I don't. I'm the same as I was in practice. Everybody else changes. I don't change. Because every day I practice was for the NBA championship. And I think trying to get your players to understand that at everything they do, they're putting themselves in that mindset right as you're running, as you're doing the rep, as you're making the throw, as you're making the tackles, you're I'm doing this right now at the game's on the line. So when that moment comes, I'm expecting to make the flag, and I'm in a, in a psychological position to understand that that's what I do, and it reacts, and your body will react that way. And I think I'm trying to grasp that is the biggest challenge, and I think hopefully we can make great strides in. All right, Shane, so fast-talking Jimbo. He went on his little spiel there, and uh, when, when Jimbo's starting to reference Michael Jordan, you know he's, having, <laughs> he's, he's deep into his uh, spiel here on SEC Media Days. <laughs> old Jordan, he's got some advertisement down there in media days, don't he? <laughs> he got bowling now, now fast talking Jimbo. Um, I, I like it. You know, one thing, one thing, one stat I saw today that was interesting to me was the fact that this is the first time since I think 2004, and I may be wrong, that we've had the exact same head coaches from last year. No coaching turnovers, but five coaches in year two. Yeah, but the, and year two is like the year. This is when people are expecting you to make a a significant improvement from years prior. So, uh, you know, when you see coaches like Pruitt and and uh, fast talking Jimbo, you know, I even Dan Mullen. Some of these guys, I think, now I just the year two thing is so important, and uh, you know, not just with with uh, Jimbo, but Mullen and Pruitt, you know, a lot of these guys exceeded the goals last year and Jimbo's one of them. So, man, I'm telling you what, Texas A&M with a full off season, uh, you know, the workouts that Jimbo wanted them to do, uh, these guys, Kellen Mon especially coming in there, not worried about his job. He knows he's the guy. Uh, You know, I just think that they are going to be more prepared this year for what's thrown at them. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing, Shane. You hit on the year two coaches, something I'd not really considered. You know, I think when we look at these teams and how they're going to do, we obviously look at the talent on the on the roster more often than not, more than anything. We look at the schedule, and we look at quarterbacks returning. But one aspect 
And I think it's just because it's hard to just kind of quantify. But, you know, there's a reason Texas A&M gave Jimbo Fisher $75 million. And it's because, you know, I wouldn't certainly say he's not the best coach in the nation, but he was basically the best available. And I don't think that was that's even a question. Considering mm-hmm. there's only a hand, there's only a few guys with a national championship ring, and he's got one of them. If he really is a better coach than you know all these second year coaches, basically everyone in the SEC outside of obviously Nick Saban, maybe Kirby Smart, but I think even you could put Jimbo potentially ahead of Kirby Smart. We may be even discounting the Aggies a little too much if Jimbo's really that good. And if he's got his team buying in, even if the talent, I mean, the Aggies have got very, very good talent. It's not Alabama talent. It's not Georgia talent. But if they buy in and they go into his culture and with his coaching, they probably have enough talent to finish as high as number two in the SEC West once again, wouldn't you say, if everything breaks right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, the problem is, though, Mike, they got Clemson, they got LSU, they got Bama. (laughs) Who's their other East opponent? Uh, South Carolina. Yep, uh, South Carolina. And they they do play Georgia this year as well. Oh, shit. See what I'm saying? I mean, so the problem is Jimbo may have the most pressure in the SEC, mainly because of his price tag. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're expecting more from him. They're paying him more. They want it quicker. And you, there's four games right there that I would not favor Texas A&M right, right now at this moment. So if they drop those four, uh, you know, they're, I mean, is it eight and four schedule or record? Are any fans going to be happy with that next year? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, eight and four. No, I mean, they're certainly not going to be happy is probably not the right word, but I don't think they're going to be quite as upset as I think I had them fourth in the SEC West. I don't know. It, I, it depends on who they beat. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. they beat if they beat Alabama somehow, which is probably not likely if they're going eight and four. But if they if they beat LSU, let's say they spring an upset and beat maybe a Georgia. If, if they and they also play Clemson. If they beat two of those teams somehow, of course with four losses, that's very unlikely. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it it all depends on how it breaks. You know? Yeah. I just I don't know. I just think it's going to be a a little bit of a pressure cooker down there, and I think I think AM's doing better, but I still think they're about a year away from being like a true threat in the West. And uh, mm-hmm. I may be wrong, you know. They beat LSU last year, seven overtime. So yeah, who knows? They they may surprise a few people, and they may beat one of those four, maybe two of those four, and then then we're talking a different story about Jimbo. So. It's just a lot of pressure. It's a tough schedule, very tough schedule. And uh, I, I'm just curious, you know, it, how, how, because something you mentioned in the last podcast was that Jimbo could be on a hot seat, you know. Well, to get on the hot seat, you're going to have to lose some games. And you look at those four, I think there's the four games that they could lose. Would he be on a hot seat going into year three with an eight and four record in the league? Well, I think hot seat is probably – I do believe I said that, but, but that's probably not the right word. I think it's more like – it's almost like – Uncomfortable seat. It's like, <laughs> it's like what Will Muschamp is on right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think South Carolina is by any means saying, you know, Will Muschamp 
we're going to fire him. You know what I mean? Like, like he's so far removed from that. But if Will Muschamp yeah. has, if they take a step back again, then we're talking about that. So uh, I think this year, regardless of what the record is, unless A&M just doesn't even go to a bowl game, I think Jimbo is kind of, uh, if they lose, you know, three, four games, what have you, 2020 is kind of like a prove it year to where they're wondering, do we, do we pay too much for this guy? But uh, yeah. I, I don't, I think it's a little premature for that. Okay. But speaking of that LSU game, Shane, I thought this was really interesting because Kellen Mon he had uh, two kind of bold things to say. And since you went to LSU, let's go there first. Uh, obviously, that seven-overtime game everyone's talking about, uh, that was a damn question that I heard 50,000 times today. But he was asked about that game, and uh, the, the most interesting response all day I heard from that Texas A&M LSU seven-overtime affair was Kellen Mon mentioning how the Aggies were in better shape and more prepared to handle that one. Ooh. To a point in overtime. Yeah, it was definitely a, a surreal moment. You know, it got to a point in overtime, about third or fourth overtime, when you didn't even know what overtime it was in. So, I mean, just being able to play for that long, it, uh, that's why Coach Smitty and Coach Fisher put so much pressure on us in practice and in the off season. So we train. So when we go out there, you know, as you can see, a lot of the LSU players were cramping. Um, and, you know, obviously we're just standing tall on both sides of the ball. And so um, I feel like that we, our mental toughness was where it needed to be playing a, a, a team like that. And obviously one of the top defenses um, and also they say DBU. So, um, you know, it's definitely a blessing to be able to go out there and compete the way we wanted to and have the mental toughness that we wanted to for, you know, four quarters and then an extra seven overtimes. So how about it, Shane? I mean, I don't want to say this is shots fired. I don't think that's right. But uh, this was the thing that cursed Kevin Selman's program. I mean, they were just, you know, fading in November. And here is Kellen Mond saying seven overtimes. You know, we could have went for a couple more if we had to. <laughs> well, that's one thing we heard about Jimbo coming in is he's, he does not like soft teams. Um, something mm -hmm. we hit hard on because someone had a lot of softies on that team. And, uh, you know, you saw – one off season, how prepared they were. Cause you were right at, or he was right at the end of the seven overtimes, man, they, they still were bringing it. So I think another off season, cause one thing they really hit hard on, and I noticed a few coaches have been hitting hard on was uh, their strength and conditioning coach. So there was a lot mm -hmm. of praise coming out uh, from Texas A&M for him. Now the other comment that Kellamon had that uh, raised an eyebrow or two, but you know, he may be able to back it up this year, but he mentioned that uh, he's the SEC's best quarterback. Um, I feel, in my opinion, I'm the best one, and that's, you know, not just because I'm a confident person, but I actually believe that. Um, I feel like my teammates believe in me, too, and Coach Fisher does. So, um, like I just told him, I can come out here and say that in front of the media, but it's I got to go out and prove it on the field. So, obviously, this is the SEC is, you know, has a lot of great quarterbacks, and they've all pro, uh, proven it you know, throughout the years, but um, I feel like I'm the best. All right, Shane, so I don't think you're going to be buying this one, but, I mean, with his talent and Jimbo's coaching, I think there's a chance he could be the SEC's best quarterback by the end of the season, but uh, I think it's it's a stretch to say he's there at this point. Yeah, no, I'm the best quarterback in that case, Mike, you know? <laughs> Seriously, I would take Tua from uh, – hell, we've done the rankings. Mon's good. 
you mm-hmm. know. But to say the best, no, he's he's too far from that for me, Mike. Yeah, uh, but and we didn't even know if he's going to start last year. If Clemson Mond shows up every damn week, I mean, he was a beast in that game. Mm-hmm. And the LSU game, he had like nine touchdowns, even though you know four of them were probably from the five yard line, but. Uh, if if he can do that every week in week out, he's he is going to be a Heisman contender. Well, one thing that you know that we're forgetting, Sternberger's not there. Mm-hmm. You know, Williams isn't there. Some of those safety blankets that he had last year are not going to be on this team this year. So, I'm I'm not convinced that he is going to take that big of a step forward. Now, I, I think we're going to see a little bit more efficiency, hopefully. Uh, you know, maybe his interceptions will come down a little bit working with Jimbo and, and, and the rats because he does got some great receivers. But, you know, a lot of people are forgetting what they're losing from last year. And uh, I think that's going to take a toll, especially when they, you know, when they get in this juggernaut schedule. I mean, because, look, right. you're going against Alabama's defense. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Georgia's defense, mm-hmm. Clemson's defense, you know, LSU. Did I already say that? DBU. Mm-hmm. I mean. They have got some, uh, and then you got Auburn defense. You've somebody you talked up, you know. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're going to have to play against some serious defenses this year, and so to think that Mon's just going to take this huge step forward, I'm just not, I'm not buying that, Mike. And not to mention, not to add some woes to it, but Clemson, LSU, Georgia, all on the road. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's what was their over under this year, Mike? Uh, I believe it was seven and a half. Uh, still not touching that one. All right, Shane. Let's jump to another team that was at SEC Media Days on Tuesday: the Georgia Bulldogs. Bulldogs, oh, no, <laughs> And guess what? Kirby Smart and all his players were asked about twenty thousand times, Shane. Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> Every damn question, you know, was about Alabama or Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And they don't even play them. They're not even on the schedule this year. Nope. So the players wouldn't a- wouldn't answer anything about Alabama, but the only guy that did, Shane Kirby Smart, uh, I mean, he put it about his – well, first he had a little joke here, which I thought was fantastic because he's spot on, but – you know, he was asked about the lessons that he learned from the back-to-back losses to Alabama in consecutive seasons. And then, uh, I mean, he answered it. The the only way there is to answer it, he, he nailed it here. Uh, let's cut to Kirby Smart when he was asked about Alabama for probably the 15th time on Tuesday. Unbelievable games, obviously, against Alabama. Just kind of talk about what you've learned from those, other than, of course, you probably want to win next time. Yeah, get rid of their backup quarterback, right? I mean, that's part of the plan. But uh, they, they do a tremendous job, and we haven't finished the way we need to. Um, and to be honest with you, a lot of that goes right here to me. we got to do a better job finishing the game and stay on top of it. And they get some credit for that because they've got a good football program. They've won a lot of football games, and um, they're a physical team. What I think we've shown is that we can match that physicality. We haven't finished that physicality, but – we're not getting shoved around out there. And that's part of the deal against Alabama. you got to be able to go out and play physical. All right, Shane. <laughs> that clip may have not uh, related how tired he was being asked about Alabama, but these questions surely are not going away until the Bulldogs beat Alabama. 
But uh, I mean, like I said, he put it as bluntly as you can, man. You just you just have to match them, which Georgia has done. But you got just got then you got to finish the deal. Yeah, they're the only. I mean, Clemson did whoop Alabama's ass, but I, I think we all know that uh, you know that's very unlikely to happen again. But the only SEC team recently to kind of match Alabama's Georgia, and they just got to learn how to finish it. And I, I like the fact that Kirby kind of put that on him. Yeah. Yeah, and earlier he was asked about Alabama and he, uh, the assistant coaches of Nick Saban, you know, just mm-hmm. another smart way of asking about Alabama, has never beat <laughs> Nick Saban. He goes, yeah, we get it on 14. You know, it's just he, he didn't even give him a, a, a second to let that marinate. So uh, don't think, you know, Kirby ain't thinking about Alabama. You know he is, but he, he was very – coach speak today you know just one game at a time and yada 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 um what did you i mean did anything really stand out with what kirby said other than just the alabama hate no i really struggled to come up with something interesting for kirby or literally any of their players they're they were uh, coached, it, it was man it, it was very clear to me that just like you said they were coached to not say anything mm-hmm. i even goaded Every single one of their players, Shane, I I quoted this stat that uh, Georgia, 12-0 and in the SEC East the last two years, their average margin of victory, 25 points per game. So they're, they're winning by more than three touchdowns per game in the SEC East for two years in a row. And I asked each of them, I, I threw out that stat, and I said, do you even have a contender in the East? And they're just like, day by day, game by game. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I was hoping they, you know, destroyed Florida or Tennessee or something, but no, you know they, were, they were not taking is? the bait. This is all Dan Mullen's fault because he, he mm-hmm. started trolling, you know, this offseason, got Kirby all riled up, and I guarantee you, you know that one clip you put in the intro there where he's yelling at his players, you want to eat? I guarantee if you could get you another clip, he is he is going to town with all the trash that that's coming in on Twitter and, and, you know, all these social media outlets where he, they see Dan Mullins putting a a target on their backs and stuff like that. It's just, but they were just so well coached. They knew that they were going to try and I'm sure whoever sat them down, I hope probably was Kirby and just Mm -hmm. said, Hey, listen, there's going to be a guy named SEC Mike that comes up here, and he's going to try and get you <laughs> goat on the East teams. You don't say a word. Just we're one day at a time, one game at a time. Be prepared. You know, hopefully uh, – that's and that's all it was. You couldn't get anything out of these guys. No, you really couldn't. But, you know, we do want to have a clip here from Jake Fromm. I thought this was, this was the most interesting thing he had to say just kind of on Georgia's offseason motto of do more. He was asked – you know, what does that specifically mean to him? And let's hear what Jake Fromm has to say about the do more motto. I think your coach across the hall said the motto this year is do more. Mm-hmm. How often is that said? And, and what do you take from that statement of do right. more this year? It's, it's said a lot. You know, it's said, you know, not only, you know, in the weight room, out there conditioning, said by the coaches, said by the players. So it's something we're not taking lightly. You know, for, for me, what it looks like, it's how can I go in? How can I study with these young receivers, help them learn? How can I go out and throw with them? How can I condition my body, you know, make sure it's ready for camp, ready for the season? So there's a lot, a lot of different things, you know, and what it's about, you know, and for me, you know, that, that's what it is and, and just trying to be a better servant leader and, and go out and be a great teammate. All right, Shane. So, you know, 
One one really interesting question that Jake Fromm was asked, but you know he gave kind of a bland answer to was the fact that you know there's no competition for him this year in the off season from the quarterback room after dealing with Eason and Justin Fields. Now it's just his team, his offense. Mm-hmm. But it's good to see that uh, while he may not be getting pushed himself by his fellow quarterbacks. He's pushing the rest of the team, and uh, I mean, I think that go. Yeah, it's hard to do that when a quarterback is like battling for his starting job. I don't know how seriously everyone will take him. You know what I mean? But right. if there's no doubt that you're the starter, I think uh, you pushing everyone. Uh, there's a lot more validity to that. Well, you know, and two something to consider. Something I heard today. This is the first time in Kirby's uh, since Kirby's been been at Georgia, our quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's ready to come in. You know, here you had Eason being pushed by Fromm. You had Fromm being pushed by Fields. And now you got Fromm just sitting there by himself. There's nobody threatening, threatening him. You know, he made that joke about uh, the backup quarterback there at Alabama. You know, one thing, I mean, knock on wood, Fromm's been healthy. But what happens if he goes down, you know? Who's 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 coming into or who's pushing from right now in that quarterback room? Yeah, and it's interesting because Kirby was asked that today and he said, well, hell, I mean, that's how we got Jake from injury to Jacob Eason. So uh, they have Stetson Bennett, who he's been on campus for, I believe, a season. And then he went down to junior college and he, I think he did fairly well. Now he's back. So, I mean, that's going to be the guy that steps up if anything happens to Jake from. And, uh, you know, I don't think Georgia's season will fall apart, but I would be very surprised if they're still a championship contender without Jake Fromm in the lineup. Yeah, I agree. All right, Shane, your boy's final team on the docket, Tennessee. Yeah, but They were uh, on the scene here in Hoover, and the story of the day, Shane, Jeremy Pruitt, I haven't even watched this damn thing, but, I, I mean, I heard – you know, 50 people must have told me about how damn boring this was, but uh, Jeremy Pruitt opens up there in the big ballroom at SEC Media Days on SEC Network. He talks for about 25 minutes and he didn't really say a damn thing, did he? He's still talking, Mike. He ain't done yet. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they brought up, a, you know how they got those little notes there at the bottom? Like, mm-hmm. they they seriously brought a note say uh, up that says, Pruitt's been going on, going for 20 minutes now, you know, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and recruiting, did you, you hear what he said about the wide receiver? Let's jump to that. I mean, that was, I guess that was the highlight of it. I, this was the only thing he said within a damn 20 minute speech here. Like I said, we only have 12 seniors, but four of them are wide receivers, you know. So I'm going to say that again. Four of them are wide receivers. So if I was a, a wide receiver in high school, uh, Tennessee would be a great landing spot in the near future. All right, Shane. I mean, <laughs> that's that's kind of what he did last year. And I think uh, – I can't recall. I mean, I think it was Darnell Wright and who else was it? I, I think it was Wanya Morris and a couple mm-hmm. other people he was targeting and – yeah, they worked for him last year, Shane. I guess it's just going to keep uh, – no doubt no, – no wonder he went back to it, you know? And if, you know, Mike, if you're a, a wide receiver in the state of Maryland and you may may or may not be committed to another university, you know, just know that you got to start in spot if you want to come here next year, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what he was trying to get across. And, 
We'll see if it works for the second year in a row. But, uh, you know, after he got through his damn uh, Emancipation Proclamation speech there that he gave on the, the big ballroom floor, uh, Jeremy Pruitt did go over to the small room, the room I was in, and he kind of did more of the same. He filibustered for about three or four minutes before getting into questions. And, uh, you know, basically the only good one he gave, I thought this was something that uh, a lot of Tennessee fans and, and people questioning Pruitt following, you know, I mean, the highs of the Auburn and Kentucky wins and then the lows of getting blown out by Missouri and Vanderbilt. Uh, he was asked specifically about the final two games of the season and, and just what happened there. So let's, uh, let's jump to that as well. Feel that way, or was it more just a coincidence that two of your worst days of the year happened to be the last two Saturdays? Who am I talking I'm to? I'm sorry, I'm over here. Okay. <laughs> We're all interested. You don't have to look at me. Yeah, well, I just like to know who asked the question. Um, you know what? The, those two teams coached better than we did that day. They played better than we did that day, uh, and that's part of it. So, um, you know, the – did we finish the way we wanted to finish? Absolutely not. Uh, and that's something that we've got to improve on and something you learn from. And, and uh, you got to give those teams credit. They pretty much kicked their tails both days. All right, Shane. I mean, we got our butt, got their butts kicked or whatever you said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's, and that's an accurate statement, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm still chalking it up for depth, and uh, we just didn't have it. You know, I don't – but I do like – I mean, the fact that Coach is putting it on his shoulders, that, that says a lot. Some of the things – I know if you're not a Tennessee fan, you probably didn't enjoy that speech, but there was a lot of stuff in there as a Tennessee fan that got you excited. You know, one he brought up about the linemen. You know, hell, mm-hmm. last year we only had two offensive linemen over 300 pounds, and now we've got 15, I think he said, you know. He wants big boys. He wants to play nasty, and and uh, it just you know he talked a lot about Coach Fitz and and the strength and conditioning and getting these boys in in right shape. And this is two two off seasons now, so um, it sounds to me as a Tennessee fan that we're going to be bigger and deeper this year. And that's just from you know listening to him talk. So I was pumped up about it. He could have kept rambling. I would have been fine with it, Mike. It sounds like if I keep eating, Shane, I can play on the offensive line at Tennessee. <laughs> Mike, I've gained 40 pounds since last year, you know? Even t- <laughs> <laughs> so how about Jerry Garantano, Shane? I thought, uh, you know, nothing too bold, kind of the same. I think, I don't want to say he was coached up, but uh, just not a lot of too interesting comments, but he did have an, a really interesting revelation here, I thought, on Jeremy Pruitt and their relationship because, you know, at this time last year, uh, Pruitt, I think he was still trying to figure out, you know, what he was supposed to be saying and what he wasn't. And there was a time, remember, he wouldn't even mention, like, players' names. He would just say, you know, we got good running backs, good receivers. Mm-hmm. He would. He never really would say anything nice about Garantano. Not that he has to sit up there and – kiss his ass or anything, but uh, for a player that was clearly the best quarterback on the team, he he rarely ever said that, but you know now he's saying he is the guy, and uh, Garantano talking about how his relationship has grown with Jeremy Pruitt, I thought this was a very honest answer and just kind of an interesting one. About football, non-football, whatever's on your minds. 
Yeah, ever since I met met Coach Perut, I always thought that he had two different sides of him. I thought that he always had the football side. Whenever he gets on the field, he flips the switch, and he becomes one of the, one of the best football coaches in the SEC period. So I think that side, and then as soon as he leaves the football field, he's that comforting side, and he has a great relationship and great personality with those guys. And I think even since the season ended last year, he's taken on the role of trying to actually build better relationships with those guys. And I feel personally that we have a better relationship than we did last season. And he's doing a very good job of actually keeping it strong. All right, Shane. So the two sides of Jeremy Pruitt, according to Garantano. And I, I think that's also just part of the learning process because, you know, being an assistant coach and being a head coach and how those relationships go with the players, um, you know, maybe Pruitt thought uh, he had to change a little bit with his new role and, um, you know, Maybe he just decided to go back with what worked, and it, it certainly seems like his players are responding to it. Yeah, no, they seem pumped up. But, you know, Pruitt's never came across as a player's coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's fundamentals. You know, I, I can see that. that. I mean, I think that's why he brought some of these uh, coordinators in and some of the staff that's on, his, on, on the team now. You know, mm-hmm. they're very personable players. Like, you always hear good things about T and, and the players on the team and – uh, things like that. I think that's maybe part of the reason why they're here, not only to recruit, but, you know, they have a good rapport with the with the players. And uh, something he did hit hard on was his coaching staff now. A lot of them came from high. So they're going to have that same level of uh, communication. You know, they're going to know where these guys are coming from. These aren't old school people that's been in college football forever or maybe came from the pros. These are guys that were – you know, coaching up these young kids just several years, just a few years ago. All right, Shane, that's all that I really got on what happened at SEC Media Days from the four main teams. Uh, you know, th- it's going to be really slow, I think, for about a week or two after Media Day. So w- we can recap a lot more of this. But there was one thing that happened after all the teams went that I really thought was the highlight of Tuesday. And if anyone missed it, I, I really recommend you trying to track down these this content because it was fantastic. But Herschel Walker, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, uh, they were all at SEC Media Days, and they gave a Q&A. Well, it was fairly brief. It was briefer than the coaches' Q&As, but they were there celebrating the 150 years of college football. You know That's why the Miami-Florida uh, game is bumped up to week zero because this is the 150th. Uh, ever season of college football so there's you know they're celebrating it there's a uh, something I believe it's called Saturdays in the South there's a movie they premiered it tonight here in in Hoover uh, so they were kind of promoting that as well but uh, they just gave some great stories about you know their favorite times in the SEC and w- one thing that was really interesting was Archie Manning talking about how Peyton, you know, they grew up in Louisiana, but he never got to play at LSU, and that was one of his great regrets of, in his, of his playing career. Uh, Herschel Walker, kind of the same, and then Archie Manning kind of joked, I've been to Neyland Stadium, but I wish I hadn't because Ole Miss got, <laughs> got rocked against Tennessee. But uh, we do have a short clip here from Archie Manning talking about Mississippi State recent graduate transfer Tommy Stevens. I thought this was a, this was a really funny story, and if you like this, You'll like this whole Q&A segment. I really recommend uh, you trying to find it if you like the story here from Archie Manning. I guess, you know, just 
these quarterbacks are competitive kids. They want to play. It was funny this year. We had 40 coming to our camp and uh, invited them March or April. By the by June, four of them had uh, transferred. I'll tell you one quick story. A young, young man from uh, Penn State was coming, uh, Tommy Stevens. And um, uh, Coach Franklin had actually called me and said, uh, fifth-year kid, and we'd had Trace McSorley the year before, a wonderful young man. And he said, I think Tommy's a good player. I said, I think your camp working down there would really do him a lot of good. I said, he's in. He's in. So I called him, talked him, lined him all up. So right after spring training, I guess, I guess he got beat out in spring. And uh, he called me. He said, Mr. Manning, um, uh, I'm in the portal, and I'm going to transfer. Does that mean I can't come to the camp? And I said, no, I invited you. Uh, you can, you, you, you're, you're invited. You're in the camp. So let me know what you do. So about three weeks later, he said, uh, Mr. Manning, I'm going to Mississippi State. I said, whoa, we're going to have to think about that now. <laughs> That, but that's not true. We've always had Mississippi State quarterbacks at our camp, and we have, we had a lot of fun with Dak Prescott and all and through the years with, with Tommy too. But all right, Shane. So <laughs> I mean, these were the only guys that opened up and and seemed like they were honest here on Tuesday for the most part. And and just I mean, I just love listening to these old timers talk about football because uh, I mean, these are some of the greatest to ever play and coach the game. And uh, uh, I don't know that they have my full attention when they speak. Oh man, I loved it. I loved it. I tell you what, who surprised me the most was Herschel Walker. I didn't know mm-hmm. he would. I mean, he is vocal and just you know to the point. He don't beat around the bush, Mike. You know, they're talking about the transfer portal, and Steve's like, I don't know. You know, I I I started, so I didn't want to transfer. You know, so <laughs> Herschel's like, hell no. You you know, I I don't think you should be able, and I don't think coaches should be able to leave if they're still in contract. You know. So mm-hmm. he's, he's old school, but one of the things I like uh, most about it was he was talking about Vince Dooley. You know, they're, they're going to be naming the field, of course, next year. Um, mm-hmm. Or actually, I don't know if they've done it this year, but they're going to make a bigger deal of it this season uh, that the field's named after Vince Dooley. And, and Herschel said, you know, I wish they'd name some stuff after me while I'm still here. You know, a lot of times they do it after <laughs> you die. And that doesn't, you know, <laughs> I was just like, damn, Herschel. Oh, so... Uh, he was good, man. If you get a second, uh, you know, uh, we can add this clip to, to the Reddit page if you can't find it. And uh, you should you should definitely check out the entire QA here. All right, Shane, I am about to pass out from just <laughs> SEC Media Days Tuesday. You got anything before we hop off here? No, Mike, I appreciate you. Ta- I know it's been strenuous down there, and then you got to do all this editing. I appreciate you going down there. Uh, maybe after this week, I'd like to maybe – you know, talking more about how media days is structured, you know, because we only see what's on TV, you know. I'm just kind of curious what the whole atmosphere is like down there. So, uh, but I appreciate you. I appreciate all the listeners hanging out with us. Uh, we had a couple of ghost reviews on iTunes. Uh, those rating reviews really do help us if you get a second to uh, help. We got five shows this week, Mike. I'm telling you what, I think we're back, buddy. Well, let's see if I make it that far before we <laughs> proclaim we, we made it. But we, we are on our way, that's for sure. Yes, sir, man. That's all I got, brother. All right, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Pruitt and
and uh, fast talking Jimbo, you know, I even Dan Mullen, some of these guys, I think, did really good. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just situating here. Okay, you're good. Sounds like you're falling down the stairs, Mike. No. Do you owe somebody money? Did you make a bet down there? <laughs> <laughs> okay.